Are you accepting it? No, of course no. not. Rubbish. The government is not accepting it. Welcome to Two Grumpy Hacks, the podcast. I'm Malcolm Farr, and of course, we're with Dennis Atkins. And this is the year of the fire hose of falsehood. Hello and welcome. This is podcast number 15 for this year. Uh, Dennis, let's start with the Climate Change Summit and Australia's contribution. And if, if you could just bear with me for a moment, I'd like to liken... Scott Morrison to a bus driver and the bus driver climbs aboard and there's uh, a coach packed with customers who've been waiting for decades to uh, to start the journey and of course he's got a couple of announcements one is that he doesn't know where exactly they're going and he doesn't know where when they're going to get there but he does know how technology now some of this technology isn't available yet, but he's damn sure that it's going to fit the bill and take them where they want to go. Uh, so he tells the passengers, sit back, relax, and enjoy the journey, which could take 10 years, 20 years, maybe even 30 years. He doesn't know, and he's not quite sure where we're going to end up. That's essentially what the Prime Minister has done, isn't it? Uh, yeah, although uh, he did also uh, tell those same passengers... Um, just two years ago at the last federal election, that if this bus uh, went on the route that he's now sort of, uh, well, steering towards, I think is probably the best, uh, the best analogy. And, uh, and if it went at a certain speed, that the bus would crash and the whole a uh, lot of passengers on the bus would uh, wouldn't survive, and uh, their their families and their everything would just come and crashing down, uh, and life as we know it would end. So he, he's he's got that problem that you know a couple of years ago this bus was going nowhere; it was a bus to nowhere. Now it's a bus to somewhere, even if he can't tell us where exactly that somewhere is and how fast we're going to get there. Uh, so he's, uh, he's well, if this was a canoe, he'd be up shit creek. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, yes, he'd be stranded there. It's interesting. I mean, you're quite right that there has been an attitudinal change, at least within the coalition government, although there's still outriders there demanding that everybody have a bowl of coal every morning for breakfast. Uh, but uh, it's interesting that, the, the impetus for this change of attitude was Joe Biden, the U.S. president, rather than any uh, individual or, uh, or, or factor in, in Australia. That, that summit, at the very least, I mean, Scott Morrison was always going to turn up. He had to come with something. He had to, uh, he had to bring a plate, as I uh, liken it to. Uh, so he had to come up with this plan for spending half a billion dollars on stuff, including on carbon catcher and storage, which by and large has been discounted uh, through uh, uh, previous attempts to, to make it work. Uh, but at least he's pointing in the general direction, very vaguely, of uh, um, net zero by 2050, even though he won't uh, say that, even though all the states and the great chunks of, uh, of business and including the Business Council of Australia are saying, yes, we want net zero by 2050. Prime Minister can't bring himself to say the words, but he's sort of, as I say, waving you know, 
in, in, in a fluffy fashion in that general direction. So that does mean change, doesn't it, as you're suggesting? Yes, yes. And this is the Prime Minister uh, doing what he accuses uh, the Labor leader, Anthony Albanese, of doing all the time. He's having a bet each way. He's telling people in... Uh, sort of small L liberal voting seats in the metropolitan areas that I I believe in climate change, I know it's coming and don't worry, uh, we're going to take real action. While at the same time, he's telling voters in places like Mackay and Gladstone and and, uh, uh, and the Pilbara in Western Australia, uh, look, our policies are set by you blokes in your high-vis vest driving your Ram, <laughs> your Ram dual cabs, uh, not by people in wine bars and, and cafes. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's, he really is uh, walking both sides of the street. Now, some politicians can do that. Uh, whether Scott Morrison can, uh, we'll have to wait and see. He he has never struck me as a, a very deft politician. No, no, uh, he uh, he'll go for the bulldozer over the uh, the subtle uh, the, the subtle blade every time. Isn't it interesting to see uh, Malcolm Turnbull suddenly uh, reinvigorated uh, as a climate change warrior? Uh, a little bit unlike the chap we saw when he was. Prime Minister, but he, he's out now criticising the Morrison government uh, on a couple of fronts, but in particular on climate change. I mean, what's he up about? Well, he he he's still miffed by the fact that uh, Scott Morrison uh, got his numbers together and, and took his job off him. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it, it, as with many things in politics, it's all personal. Uh, just as, um, you know, uh, Kevin Rudd is still miffed by the fact that the, the Labor Party uh, dumped him for for him going wobbly on, on uh, climate change after uh, he... Uh, Missed the opportunity to call an early election and head off Tony Abbott in two thousand and ten. So the uh, you know, and and you know, these people have many other beefs, of course, but essentially they're still fighting wars from uh, ten and uh, five years ago. Oh, God bless them! Now there, there are uh, a number of people who are going to be not fighting any wars from the government benches after the next election because they won't be standing they'll either be retiring voluntarily or uh, if they do stand they won't be standing for the party that put them in into office uh in the 2019 election so we've got uh, uh we've got lambing there's a lot up your way you got lambing and then uh, george christensen and ken o'dowd uh now nicole flint in south australia and craig kelly in new south wales might not stand again What's going? Look, look, just just to point out, it's not unusual for people to retire at elections. There were seventeen of them at the twenty nineteen election uh, didn't uh, contest their seats again. Ten from the government benches, six from the ALP, and uh, and one independent. But look, we're twelve months out at least from an election. What are these people doing? For instance, what's George Christensen up to? Well, I I think from from what I hear, George Christensen has has decided that um, you know he's had enough. Uh, uh, he 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 has set up a family um, uh, with his wife from the Philippines, but because of um, 
you know, problems with international travel. She can't get back to see her family in the Philippines. Um, and, you know, he wants to spend more time concentrating on her and his family, so he says. And that's he's been telling people that uh, for some time now. But at the same time, he says that, uh, you know, he, he wants to maintain a voice in, in uh, current affairs and, and so on, which sounds to me like... Uh, he uh, is going to be c contesting a slot on Sky After Dark with uh, Craig Kelly. So that'll be an interesting contest. Um, I'd put meeting of giants. Yeah, a meeting of giants for sure. I'd put my money on George uh, if, if you can get a market for that. Um, yeah, it is interesting. We, we, we uh, were told uh, we're recording this on, on Anzac Day and uh, we were told this morning that Peter Dutton is not going anywhere. He's going to stand again. There were, there were rumours around Brisbane in, in recent weeks that he, he might be considering his future, but no, he's sticking around. So uh, all of those people who uh, love having Peter Dutton uh, in the federal government, you know, well, you, you, you're going to have him around for a bit longer. It is interesting the, that these people uh, are retiring. Um, uh, I think that uh, most of them are for personal reasons there's a couple Craig Kelly uh well Craig Kelly's not retiring he's going to stand again as an independent Andrew Lamming is getting out because you know he's being pushed out by his party um uh Ken O'Dowd I he's he's sort of uh from from all reports had enough uh as I said George Christian says he's got family reasons and uh uh Nicole Flint has talked about her own personal situation that she's fed up with politics so you know there's there's a mixture of reasons um i think you know because of the fact we've got a government that's going to be uh, uh, over eight years old when it goes to the polls um you know all of these seats uh will present challenges um i'm not sure whether the government will lose any of them uh i think the the one really interesting one is going to be craig kelly's and whether whether or not uh, a, a another independent comes in and takes the seat from the Liberals. Um, that's the one I'd keep an eye on. The rest, I think, there'll possibly be pretty big swings against the government in some of those seats, especially uh, in uh, Ken O'Dowd's seat and George Christensen's seat, because they got huge swings to the government at the last election. But I think they should remain in LNP hands. Uh, and I think probably the same is true in uh, Boothby in South Australia. Uh, and Lamming although, seat, Lamming seat. I think I think uh, the the LNP will probably hold that. Um, uh, you know, Labor will fight hard, but uh, you know, Labor you know um, didn't win uh, that seat in two thousand and seven. That's the closest that they've come to uh, to taking it since. Uh, Labor lost it after Con Shaka uh, left um, uh, twenty odd years ago. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I, if they couldn't win it in two thousand and seven, I don't think they're going to win it this time around. Yep, yep, that makes sense. Let's go to uh, a letter. One, first of all, though, uh, from uh, a, a constant listener who raises an interesting point about something that happened during the week. This is Brian from Newcastle. Do you remember that Maurice Payne, the foreign minister, uh, put the kibosh on the uh, Belt and Road 
initiative deal that Victoria had with China, saying it wasn't consistent with uh, with government policy. That which, I mean, I think it's fair enough. A and nobody's quite sure what exactly this deal with the Chinese was all about. There was no explanation. It seemed to be moving at, at, at sluggish pace, if it was moving at all. But but also, uh, the Belt and Road Initiative is not, you know, uh, a um, a feel good exercise by Beijing. It's it's a it's a way to um, build up propaganda and to get uh, a foothold in economies. And in fact, it's very similar to. Uh, economic uh, colonialism and that's the way it operates in some smaller states particularly in the pacific where we're trying to maintain our influence against the incursions of uh, of the uh, of, of the chinese so to have a belt and road initiative in australia in an australian state while we're telling some of our regional neighbors to uh, to give it the flick or ignore the chinese completely was a bit uncertain now, one of the things coming from that is, will the government ban the 99-year lease the Chinese have on the port of Darwin? That is uh, something, uh, a contentious issue. But uh, um, Brian from Newcastle has made a very good point. He's reminded us that in 2014, the state liberal government uh, uh, of Mike Baird um, sold off uh, a 98-year lease to the port of Newcastle to a consortium uh, which included a state-run Chinese company. And the deal went for $1.75 billion. So if the Port of Darwin uh, is at risk, I think uh, the operations in the Port of Newcastle might uh, also be on Maurice Payne's list. But to another question, if we could go there, and this is from, and, and it's quite interesting given what's happening. It, it, it goes, to, it's from uh, David who gives his address as somewhere in the deep south of the ACT. And it's, it's a well-known fact that uh, the best people in Canberra live south of the lake. Uh, there's no doubt about that David is one of those. He's been a constant listener to the Two Grumpy Hacks podcast. Uh, and he essentially asks what, what history will say about Scott Morrison um, and w when he leaves and, and uh, pulls down the shutters on his uh, administration, his actual question is, apart from being re-elected, do you think Scotty actually has an idea what he would like to achieve as a legacy? I'm not too sure he does. Do you, Dennis? Uh, well, I, th I think he would like his legacy to be that he, he won against the odds uh, in 2019. He, he got the ship back, back on course and, and, and took it to victory when everyone else told him he couldn't. Uh, I think he quite likes that to be part of his legacy, and I think he would like to have another victory under his belt, at least. Um, I think very much his legacy he sees as, as being... Uh, in the context of Liberal Party history, I don't think, you know, uh, you know may, maybe he, he, he wants to be remembered as, as the Prime Minister who, who managed the pandemic and, and so on, um, you know, uh, but I think that's sort of more opportunistic than, than something that he set out to do. I think he, his goals have always been driven by political success. He is, after all, a former party official, uh, and party officials tend to think in, in those terms. So I think that, uh, like most party officials, 
uh, he wants his name up on the honour board of the Liberal Party rather than the honour board of uh, uh, public policy at a national level. Although I'm quite sure that uh, he would uh, leap into the... Uh... Uh, leap into centre stage to claim credit should all those promising signs about the economy continue and the economic recovery, the recovery from COVID pandemic, uh, turn out to be uh, blisteringly successful. I think Josh Rydenberg might find himself edged towards the edge of the stage uh, if if that does happen, and Scott Morrison would, would take credit for that, and that might even be the basis for his for his re-election bid. But I, I agree with you. He's, he's, you know, look, when it comes to Scott Morrison, he always plays it in the shallow end of the political pool. And even them, he's often out, he's often out of his depth. So uh, he, it's very unlikely that he would want any great policy monument to remain uh, there as a legacy. Uh, sheer political survival uh, w- would do him just fine. I think you're right. Um, now, if you have uh, any other questions for us, or if you'd like to tell us of any good political books or other podcasts or whatever that you've been uh, diving into, let us know in a letter. And look, I know that they're emails, but we, we like to call them letters. Uh, send them to two grumpy hacks. That's numeral two grumpy hacks, one word at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we'll see you and uh, talk to you again. Next week, thanks to the miracles wrought by outstanding producer Natasha McFarlane. Uh, And in the meantime, it's goodbye from him. And uh, just as a a reassurance to everyone in the wine bars of inner cities, I call them emails, uh, it's goodbye from me. (laughs) 